There is an enemy you can't see. You can't know whether you've contracted him or whether he's coming to you. And uh, we've all become hypersensitive uh, to the functions of our body. If somebody <coughs> coughs, we all feel very, very uh, petrified. Uh, when there is a sense of a cough, you have to hold it for a very long time. You get a little headache. Uh, you amplify it in your mind. Um, somebody sneezes. Uh, we don't say, God bless you again. Uh, the person has now become the devil. And uh, we want to run away from him. So we live in very, very fearful times. Everything has become very suspicious. Everything has become very fearful. So my message today is titled, Through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Through, not in, but through the valley of the shadow of death. The text is taken from the most beloved Psalm, Psalm 23. And I will read the first four verses. I will do the part two next week. And uh, I will read the first four verses, but I will focus my message on the fourth verse. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Very powerful words. The Holy Spirit inspired these words through the experiences of King David. David started out his life as a shepherd and later became a king. And his life as a shepherd influenced his understanding of God. He saw God through his experiences. He saw himself first as a sheep in God's pasture. And when he became a king, he saw himself as a shepherd over Israel. He had what we'll call an upward and a downward shepherd experience. Upwardly, God was a shepherd, but he also was a shepherd for those who were below him. He looked up to God as shepherd to guide him, and he trusted him to order his steps. David's view of God as shepherd was mirrored by Christ himself, who called himself the good shepherd and is also described as the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. So, David understood what it was to be a shepherd and to be shepherded at the same time. David understood danger. He understood danger when he was a shepherd and understood danger when he became a king. Every day of his life, he, had, he was faced with so much danger all around him. And, and that's where the psalm emerges from. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, is very interesting. So let me define three important words there. The first one is valley. A valley is a place of deep depression. It's a place that is low. It's down. David lived in Judah, and Judah was a hill country, and every hilly country has got valleys. 
And uh, it was in these valleys that sometimes he would take his sheep. And what happened was in the days of David, these valleys uh, had a lot of thieves and it had a lot of wild animals. So when a shepherd took his sheep through these valleys, they were exposed to danger. The valley represents a place of depression. The second word to look at is the place shadow. Is the word shadow. The shadow is a place of darkness and gloom. Shadow necessarily blocks out light. So when there is a shadow, light is absent. For, for, for there to be a shadow, light must be out of the way. And so David talks about a shadow. Then the third one is the word we all hate, death. Death here is a play, state of despair and a state of destruction. The shadow of death, therefore, is when you feel the presence of death all around you. When David talked about the valley of the shadow of death, he was not imagining. He was talking about a real place. It was a place he had taken his sheep to many times through the valley of the shadow of death. And he himself had been through the valley of the shadow of death many times, both as a shepherd and as a king. And today I feel like the days we live in feel like the valley of the shadow of death. It seems as if we are all in a low place. Even the most carefree people have become very cautious. Everybody seems to be low. It's a valley of the shadow of death. And yes, it appears real. Because if you lived in Wuhan, China, you will feel like you were living in the valley of the shadow of death. If you lived in the Lombardy region of Italy, at this moment, you will feel you are living in the valley of the shadow of death. If you live in Spain or live in Iran, you will feel like you are in the valley of the shadow of death. If you lived at this time in New York, the proverbial Big Apple, the city that never sleeps, where everybody wants to experience, now quiet. If you lived in New York today, you will feel like you are living in the valley of the shadow of death. And of course, if you live in Accra, Ghana, Lagos, or in Johannesburg, or lived in Dakar, Senegal, or some other African city, you may not feel like the valley of the shadow of death, but you feel like the valley of the shadow of death is creeping in. It's coming, and we are not sure how it will hit us. So for each one of us, we can relate to David's valley of the shadow of death. What do you do when you are in that place? How did David behave when he was in that place? And there are three statements that David makes in the valley of the shadow of death. There are statements that I want to bring to your attention. That there are also statements that reflect his attitude when he was in that place. And they can be our attitude too when we feel like we are in the valley of the shadow of death. And if you feel like that, 
in the streets of Accra, in the streets of Lagos, in the streets of Johannesburg, if you feel like that, if you're in New York, you feel like that when you're in any part of this world, I pray that these words will encourage you and lift you to a higher level. The first statement David makes in the valley of the shadow of death is that I walk through. I walk through, not I sit in, I lie in, I stop in, but I walk through. That's what I want you to know, that we are walking through. We are not here to stay in this valley of the shadow of death. We are walking through this valley. It is a process. It is a transition. The statement, walk through, means there is an entrance and there is an exit. There is a coming and there is a departure. So yes, it is a valley of the shadow of death, but it is not our burial place. It is not our end. It is not the place where we are going to lie. We are walking through it. There is an entrance, but there will certainly be an exit. God did not bring us here to die in this valley. Three weeks ago, we thought China was going to die in the valley. But just the last week, we have seen China emerge from the valley of the shadow of death. They didn't stay there. They walked through. And we will walk through too. And we will come through this valley. We will not stay in this valley. We will not be buried in this valley. We will walk through. It's a terrible time. It's an anxious moment. It's a fearful moment. It's, it's a time where you feel like, oh God, the world is coming to an end. May I assure you the world is not coming to an end. Uh, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't settle in the valley of despair. Don't embalm yourself in fear. Don't surround your mind with uh, so much fear that something else kills you aside of this dreaded virus. Don't let your blood pressure run too high. It's actually not good for you at this time to let your blood pressure run through high. We will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that was David's declaration. And so every morning when he went through the valley of the shadow of death with his sheep, he would tell the sheep, sheep, there may be some lions here, there may be bears here, there may be thieves here, we will be in danger, but we will walk through this. And they walked through it. When he experienced the valley of the shadow of death as a king, he would wake up and tell himself, it's a dreadful morning, it's a fearful morning, but I'm going to go through it. We will walk through it. And that's what I want to speak to you this morning. That you will walk through it. If you are not scared to tell your neighbor next to you. Tell them we will walk through it. Of course I'm not going to ask you to shake somebody's hand and say that. But you can say to yourself I will walk through this valley. We will walk through this valley. And we will come out. We've entered but we will exit it. It's very important. China has come out of it. Italy will come out of it. Iran will come out of it. Spain will come out of it. U.S. will come out of it. Ghana will come out of it. We will walk through this valley. It's a valley, but we will walk through it. 
The second statement that David makes that is very important, and I pray that it will help you, is I will fear no evil. Not only will I walk through, but whilst I'm walking through, I will fear no evil. That is David's response to danger. I will fear no evil. It doesn't deny evil. It doesn't say there will be no evil. It doesn't say there's no virus. It doesn't say there's no danger. It says it, it is there, but I choose how I respond to it. It accepts the reality of evil, but does not succumb to the evil. It accepts the reality of danger, but does not succumb to danger. Yes, we will sanitize our hands. Yes, we will have to keep our social distances. Yes, we have to be very careful about surfaces and clean them. And we have to take all those precautions and be very fastidious about it. But whilst doing it, we will fear no evil. We will fear no evil. And don't allow fear to dominate you. Yes, there is danger. Yes, there is trouble. Yes, we are unsure of the future. But David says, I will fear no evil. It's a statement of choice. It's a choice we make as people. We refuse to live in fear. I know it's very easy to tell someone not to fear. When danger is so real and so near. Fear usually presents itself as anxiety. And in this season, we are all in information overdrive. We are reading all kinds of stuff. People are sending stuff through uh, WhatsApp. Uh, people are sending emails. People are sending dreadful pictures. Some true, not some, some not true. And because we are all anxious, we are consuming so much information. Fear comes through what you hear and what you see. And so, as you open your ears and your eyes to so much information, you are clogging your mind with fear. Does it mean we should not read? Read. Does it mean we should not uh, have the information? Let's have the information. But we have to choose how much information we will get. Such as, just as there is social distancing, I think there is time for information distancing. Choose how many articles you read. You can decide I'll read three articles today. I'll watch only one news channel and get my information. I'll get highlights and, and, and that will be all. And for the rest of the time, fill your mind with the word of God. Spend time praying. Listen to inspirational music. Just let something else get inside of you instead of being obsessed with information about this dreadful virus. So I will fear no evil is a choice. I have to choose not to fear evil. We have to choose to live by faith. One moment we may seem to be full of faith and very hopeful. Maybe we hear that our chloroquine can help this situation and all of a sudden we are very Fear, hopeful and everybody has put their faith in chloroquine and it's a good thing but what if tomorrow we hear the chloroquine will not do it how, how are you going to handle that don't move yourself from one extreme to the other just stay focused you will go through this and you must choose i will fear no evil 
I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. God keeps us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. Keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. Arrest your mind. Arrest your thinking. And bring your thinking in subjection so that fear does not kill you before the virus even comes close to you. I will fear no evil. So David's response in the valley of the shadow of death, I am walking through. I will fear no evil. But that's not all. He makes a very important third statement which I'm going to conclude with. And it's, th- this third statement is the foundation for the first and the second. The reason he says, I will walk through, and he says, I will not fear, is based on this third statement. For thou art with me. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. And he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we read words like rod and staff and shepherd and valley of the shadow. And because uh, this was written over 3,000 years ago and we, we are not living in those times, we don't fully understand the symbols of these words in the Bible. The shepherd of David's time always carried two instruments. They didn't have guns. Then <laughs> They didn't have uh, repellents. Uh, they didn't have some of the things we have. They only had the rod, which is a stick, and the staff, which is a stiff, a stick with some a crooked uh, end. The rod was to drive away the enemy. And so when uh, a fox or some other animal wants to attack uh, the sheep, the shepherd will use the rod to beat up the ad, an animal or scare it away to drive it away. But then there was another instrument, the staff. The staff was not for the enemy, the staff was for the sheep. And what the staff did was to hold the sheep's neck from getting into trouble. So there's two things happening. Defense from the enemy as well as protection of the sheep. So so. David is saying, God is with me. How do I know God is with me? Because God is keeping the enemy away from me. And he's keeping me away from the enemy. It's two ways. It doesn't just happen one way. You know, many times when we're in such a danger, we think, oh God, protect us. Yes, he's able to protect us. But he wants us also not to get into danger. And so, for example, how do we know God is with us? Isn't it amazing that we know there is a virus out there and we're all scared of it? But we know how to keep ourselves safe. It's not as if, can you imagine the people who lived in 1918 when the Spanish flu uh, struck? They didn't fully understand all the things, the science about how pandemics come about and how viruses come about. When the bubonic plague came or when the black black death came uh, in the medieval times. How did they handle this? They didn't even know there were germs. They didn't understand the concept. Now we know how to protect ourselves. Thy rod 
and thy staff. There are some things we have to do to push away the enemy. And there are some things we have to do not to get into harm's way. And David says that is what comforts him. That God in the midst of danger has given us the tools to be protected from destruction and from danger. So when we hear things like uh, banning flights and quarantining. And we hear things like uh, uh, border closure and planes not flying. It is part of God's process to keep us safe. Thy rod and thy staff. The virus does not just get people. It doesn't have that power. It cannot run into your room. It cannot run into your house. It cannot just hide in you and, and destroy you. No. Thankfully, it has to be brought to you. Or you have to take it to somebody. Isn't that amazing that we know how to stop it? Thy rod and thy staff. God says, if you don't want the danger, I'm going to give you the means to keep the danger away. And I'm going to give you the ability to keep yourself from danger. That's why we're all washing our hands and sanitizing and keeping social distances. And let's not joke with that. Because you know we can pray all we want. But if we, re- we ignore the rod and the staff of God's protection. We will be in danger. David did not say. Oh I will not fear because you are with me. And that's it. God will protect me. I can live as dangerously as I want. No. He says thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. The thing that keeps the enemy away and the thing that keeps me away from the enemy. So take it serious. Take this time serious. I don't know how this thing is going to play out in Ghana. All I can say and I think just based on my own knowledge. That there is going to come a critical four weeks. Probably three weeks, four weeks. Critical four weeks. And we have to do everything we can to let the rod and the staff be at work. And if we can do that, we would see what happens when God protects us in the time of danger. That will be my message for next week. Uh, when, when we experience this comfort from God, the Lord is with me. So we are not just saying, I fear no evil. We're saying, because God is with me. In what way is he with me? His rod and his staff will comfort us. I want you to note something about the psalm. That throughout from verse 1, when David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And up to the verse 4 where he says, I'll fear no evil. God does not take away the evil. He doesn't. The evil is present. But in the midst of evil, life is being led. There is danger. But in the midst of danger, life is being lived. So, we can live wholesome lives. Full lives. We can live overcoming lives. Even in the presence of danger. And he's able to keep us safe. And so I pray for you and I pray for your loved ones 
that this danger that we hear of, even though it's a valley of the shadow of death, we will only walk through it. May Ghana walk through it. May Africa walk through it. May the world walk through it. And not only will we walk through it, that we will not fear. Fear has torment that we will not fear. And I pray that you, you will not fear. May God keep your heart. May God keep your mind. May God protect your thoughts. May God surround you with peace. Peace for your family. Peace for your children. Peace for your grandchildren. Peace for your grandparents who are vulnerable. Peace for the elderly. May God surround us with his presence and give us peace all around. And may God comfort us with his presence. One thing we can be very sure of is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Even when we don't believe in him and we don't care. There are people who don't care about God. And, and, but God cares about you because he made you. So he has a commitment to you. It's like a father 